Welcome to the Open Door Podcast. This is John Creasy. I'm the pastor of the Open Door. And today, um, since we didn't have a sermon this past week, today we're doing an interview. I'm doing an interview with uh, Alex Ruzanek, a good friend who works at Beulah Presbyterian Church, one of the churches that supports Garfield Community Farm. And really, we could not do the work that we do in Garfield without churches like Beulah Pres and especially Alex Ruzanek, who um, serves on our board of advisors for the farm and has just been a huge proponent uh, for urban agriculture um, and our farm in general um, for many years now. And so it's been really fun to be able to partner with him on a new project that you will get to hear about in this interview. If you're interested in learning more about The Open Door, check out our website. It's pghopendoor.net. You can get info on how to uh, take part in any of our worship gatherings or anything else really going on. Um, You can also learn more about Garfield Community Farm at our website, garfieldcommunityfarm.com. We just have a brand new website right now with a whole bunch of really cool uh, videos, videos that uh, that really describe the work of the farm. So if you're interested in that, curious about that, check out that website. Without uh, any more talking on my part right now, let's get into this interview we did with Alex. Well, thanks for uh, having me, John. I'm excited and privileged <laughs> to be here. Should probably get that out of the way. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've known you since I was in college. I want to say, yeah. And you were in junior high school, right? I remember the first time. I, I have a vivid memory. You'll laugh. I was <laughs> dropping my little brother off at your house to do whatever you two did, which is usually get the trouble. Um, and you had a red-haired girlfriend at the time. <laughs> I did. I was in like middle school. Yeah, I was middle school. You always had to Don't tell Alyssa that. I did. But uh, you had that. And I remember I was also borrowing some hockey gear. Yeah, I remember that day too. You were borrowing my goal net and yeah, uh, yeah, some other things. I remember that. that, that So you were sixth or seventh grade at most at that time. I think I was, I I might have been a little older than that, but not far off. Yeah. Maybe eighth grade. Right. Yeah. I I remember meeting you. No, I, not too much. I remember meeting you even, oh no, I didn't, I don't remember meeting you earlier than that, but I remember first memory of you, I was probably in fifth grade, so really young. Rob and I were at youth group and we're like having a good time. And this college kid walks in who's like tough stuff, college into the middle school youth group. And you're like, Robert, let's go. And and Rob like stood up real quick. He's like, "All right, that's my big brother. I gotta leave." <laughs> that, that was it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's about right. I was gruff as can be back then. You know, <laughs> foolish twenty-one year old didn't know what I was doing. So yeah, yeah, it's been uh, a long time. Yeah, and all these years later, now we are in uh, in churches that support each other in different ways. And I, I don't know. I think that's so cool. It's a to me a very organic, um, healthy partnership. Yeah. Instead of one church just writing a check or doing that, it's a really back and forth, give and take, blessing each other, praying for each other. It's it's what I desire partnerships to look like. Yeah. 
So tell us a little bit about Beulah Presbyterian Church, where you work. Well, what's really crazy um, is we are, I believe, the oldest continually worshiping congregation on the same site in Allegheny County. We have been a church for 236 years. We just celebrated our 236th anniversary this month, um, which is pretty crazy. We started, um, if you do the math, uh, we were not incorporated yet by the Presbyterian Church because we existed before they existed. Right. The Theodic were older than 236 years old, but we're not considered that part of our history because there was no Presbyterian Church USA or anything like that. But we were meeting pre-Civil War and pre-Revolutionary War, as you can imagine that. And so we go way back, and Scottish soldiers needed a place to worship God as they saw fit. So the land that our church was on, they had a, a, a pen for their um, horses and their oxen and I think some cattle. Um, and that's the land now that our church is on, which is huh. kind of crazy. And so our chapel on our property was the first sanctuary that was built. Um, and it's not the original building. It's the second building. The first one was, of course, made out of wood and burned down because they have to heat those things with fireplaces, and that's never a good combination. Right. And we've been worshiping here on this location the last 236 years formally, probably closer to 250 or more so informally as a non-incorporated church. Right. And we've been part of the community. We've seen it grow. We've seen it die. We've seen it grow again. We've seen it die. We've seen economic favor and hard times, good times. But the beauty of it is, is we want to be part of the fabric of our neighborhood and community. And we're starting to work on that better than ever before. Um, we also are known as the church that Westinghouse built. Hmm. I jokingly say it because they had a corporate center quarter mile from here that I think employed upwards of 15 or 20,000 people. And in the fifties, if you open your doors, Westinghouse would come in and fill your pews. And it was easy to grow a church. Um, so now we have some challenges. You know, our area is an older suburban area. Um, we're one of the first suburban community. You got Wilkinsburg and then kind of our community, Churchill, Wilkinsburg, Penn Hills kind of area. So it's a pretty fascinating um, cross section of Pittsburgh, but it's an older area, a lot of older houses um, for suburbs. Yeah. So but we've been here pre-Pittsburgh is what's crazy to think about. Wow. Um, yeah. Some of the churches we planted, East Liberty Presbyterian Church in East Liberty, that was one of our plants. We wanted to reach the people who were working in the uh, rough and tough tumble area of East Liberty. So we sent them there. And of course, that church is much bigger than our church ever was. But it's <laughs> kind of funny to think about. Yeah, that is. Um, yeah. And so the area is really changing in many different ways. Like, tell me, tell us, like, how how is Penn Hills, Churchill area changing? Well, we see a big difference, John. Um, and this will tie in our, our, our tree plant, I think, really nicely. At one point, we were... Um, for better or for worse, um, middle to upper middle class, white collar jobs, workers, uh, upperly mobile, education was important. All the kids went to college. They went on to be successful. And you had generations of just, just continued um, kind of uh, social economic growth and uh, prosperity, which was wonderful. But Westinghouse left, I believe, finally in 1983 in that ballpark. And with them leaving, it definitely made a hole socioeconomically. Uh, and so we've been in kind of, I'd say, a steady decline since then. Hmm. Um, we're a great model for other suburban areas that are starting to begin to see decline. Um, we're seeing much more stiff decline. We also were predominantly, uh, I want to say 50 years ago, a predominantly white uh, neighborhood, Caucasian. Now we're definitely a mix. Um, Churchill's not as diverse as Penn Hills area, 
but uh, the diversity is much more extreme. The social economic diversity is great. So we have a wide variety of folks, wide variety um, of people. It's really fascinating. And we also, I call it, we had two country clubs less than a quarter mile from each other. Mm -hmm. The idea that we're very successful. Right. Well, one of those country clubs, I believe it was Churchill Valley Country Club, has recently closed down. And they closed down and they sold all their assets and their buildings were torn down. But they had an 18-hole golf course left. Yeah. People wanted yeah. to develop. And nothing happened. Nothing happened. People wanted to use fracking there. And the community came together to say, well, that's something we want to do. We want to stand against that. We held a meeting here at our church to talk about that. And through many uh, courses of events, the Allegheny Land Trust, I believe, is trying to purchase the land and develop into a green space. So it won't get developed. It can be returned back. So you see that whole social economic change, but it's fascinating because well, it was once a country club for kind of wealthy white people to enjoy being outside is now being turned back into parkland for anybody to enjoy, regardless yeah, yeah. of our social background. And so I love that. That's our neighbor, literally. Our property goes to their property and we're thrilled that we can be restoring the land back to kind of what it needs to be for our community and for our area. Yeah. Yeah. And I've met so many people who know that land and the, walk their dogs there. And like that, that land is being used by people and yet it's, it's rewilding. I just read a, an article um, just yesterday that, uh, that says that if, if we're to um, rewild 30% of of the earth, like get, allow it to go back to wilderness in, in some way that will, will do a, a huge deal to correct climate change, like just by letting things rewild. Yeah. Um, we're, we're seeing that. And where I see it manifested, John, is um, I'm seeing two types of animals come back stronger than ever. Hmm. Our birds of prey are coming back in strong numbers. Mm -hmm. I look outside my office window and there's a hawk's nest maybe a hundred yards from my window and they swoop in over our church building and they go to the nest. And I see these huge hawk shadows pass That's by awesome. me. And if there's hawks, that means snakes and rabbits and small animals that they like to eat are more prevalent, which means the grasses are going higher for them to be thriving, which means the trees are doing better, um, which is great to see. And then we also have seen some fox and coyote populations increase, which is also animals that are carnivorous that will go after these little animals, which is another sign. If you see, those type of animals, you definitely know your, your area is probably coming back healthier. Um, yeah, that's so cool. I, I'm really like intrigued and excited about what's happening on the actual church property because it fits into this bigger, uh, this bigger thing happening all around the property of rewilding, but in an area where there's lots of people living. It's not like you're out in rural Pennsylvania. You're in very populated suburbs, but in an area where yes. it's becoming like a park around the church and the church is looking to like one of the most, one of the coolest things I heard was that the church wants to create a, a hiking trail that connects down into the greenway um, and possibly create a labyrinth on church property. That's just there for anybody and everybody who wants to come and, and take some time in prayer or meditation. 
Yeah, I mean, our goal is to create this um, with one of my colleagues. She has this great idea to create a labyrinth, but also create not only just a connector hike trail, but the trail could almost be a um, a spiritual walker journey through the woods. So you can come and meditate and it'll lead you through a whole process. It's a really beautiful idea she has. Yeah. I mean, she has a gift in this area. So it should be fascinating, but I agree to connect the two together. We look at it as not our space or their space, but it's the community space. Right. And what I also love, John, is it's not a park that's being developed to create soccer fields or baseball fields that we have to take care of and manage. But more importantly, we're letting it go back wild right. so we can enjoy nature as it was intended here before our church existed, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So we, we did a thing on Sunday and we're kind of alluding to that, but what, what did we do Sunday? <laughs> we planted trees, John. That's right. And we planted, I believe close to 115 trees. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. I, it's something that, as you know, I have been wanting to do for a long time to see churches just doing good, fun, beautiful, restorative things on their properties um, that connect with earth care. And I don't know, I thought we would find our first church and do a small project like plant five trees or find a few different churches that we can donate a couple trees to. And um, we found this nonprofit called Plant Five for Life, partnered with them. And in walking the Beulah Church properties with you and and others from the church, we, we recognized we could do a hundred trees and that would just be the start. Like there's so much potential to, to rewild parts of the church property and to do possible food forests and orchard, a garden, like whatever you want to do with it. it the, the sky is the limit. We, did, we put a hundred trees in this weekend. It was really exciting, John. You know, we, I didn't, I really wasn't sure what our turnout would be. The coolest thing I thought happened, and um, I know you experienced this too, it wasn't just our church, but it was two other churches, the Open Door Church and Shadyside Presbyterian Church brought some folks. Right. And then there are also a few random community folks that just showed up because they saw us digging. Yeah. They wanted to bring us out. So we had uh, 70 to 75 people yeah. planting trees. And I want to stress this. We're in Pittsburgh. It's a Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock with a Steeler game <laughs> with a winning Steelers team who's going 5-0. and right. So you think you'll get no volunteers. We got yeah. over 70 folks during a prime Steeler game. <laughs> We plant trees and care for the neighborhood. That's a huge deal in my opinion. That, that is. I didn't think anybody – it was the day before that I found out, oh, we're starting at 1 o'clock and so is the Steeler game. Um, I figured we might as well just cancel. Uh, <laughs> I saw that, but I thought, we'll see what happens. And, and I think you and I were hoping for 30 people. Yeah. Um, and 30 would have been yeah. impressive in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that we had – and I did some work. Uh, I believe the oldest person may have been 72 to 75. Uh-huh. And the youngest was four, I believe. So you look at true intergenerational work together. Yeah. Work, there's nothing cool than seeing, you know, young and old come together hand in hand and restoring the land. Yeah. What, I mean, why were people so, why do you think people were so excited to get their hands dirty like this? Like it was, it was surprising and beautiful. It was beautiful. And I, I believe there were two strong points that led us to this one with the pandemic going on, it got people outside doing something, mm-hmm. but it got them in a safe environment. We kept our masks on, we social distance, but you could be together. Um, that was one. Two, I believe young people more than ever care about our, the stewardship 
of our earth, the mm-hmm. land that God has given us. He has challenged us to take care of it and be good stewards. And I believe young people are committed to that. Yeah. And I yeah. think that they were excited. There are a lot of kids who brought their parents out, so to speak, so they could plant. Right. And moms right. and dads were like, yeah, I'll come on out. Um, so the young are really pushing, I wouldn't even say an agenda, but a passionate desire to change communities and plant trees. Mm-hmm. And to me, there was one point when I walked around seeing people I recognized, some people I met for the first time that day, in the woods, on the property, on the edge of the property, all planting, working together, smiling, having a blast. Um, it was really a beautiful, we keep using that word beautiful uh, experience. It really was. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I had a great time. It was really fun. The, the people were just uh, so easy to work with and just fun to be around. Um, and I think, agree with you. Our partnerships uh, with Garfield Community Farm. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. And with Plant Five for Life with Christine, she does a marvelous job and all the legwork she did to get, you know, grants and um, seedlings and saplings, all those details. It was beautiful to see it all come together and then have folks, uh, folks of faith care enough to change their community. Right. And that to me is what's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, speaking of the farm and that partnership, Beulah and being in support of Garfield Community Farm goes way back, um, I don't know, almost a decade. What, I mean, this this is kind of a a real development, I think, in our partnership and a, a, a way that it, it, as we talked about before, like really becomes a true partnership. Um, and I think we've, we've tried at that in different ways before through doing camps and things like that. Um, if you think back, like why, why has Beulah also been, um, so interested in the farm, uh, in, you know, a different neighborhood, it's a 15 minute drive, but Beulah has been one of our biggest supporters. I think it's quite simple. I think the call on everyone's hearts to change our communities and cities from the inside out through sustainable uh, food, through farming, through community development. I mean, your vision of doing that, you're not wanting to change the community in a uh, colonial sort of way and make them like you, but instead come alongside folks and empower them to change their communities. And we believe strongly in that. And the partnership makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ministries and mission work has changed drastically in the last, I'd say, decade. Mm-hmm. And the farm really um, embodies the attitude that we're not here to do the work for you. We're here to come alongside the indigenous residents and mm-hmm. say, how can we help you? How can we serve you? What do you need? Mm-hmm. And with your vision doing that, our desire to see the same thing happen in our community or in your community. And we look at you as just an extension of who we are. Mm-hmm. And a way to partner and fulfill that call to transform uh, neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's simply put. And we also like the fact that you're in Garfield, you're in a neighborhood. You're not like in your own area doing food and you bought this, you know, acres of land out in the countryside, but you want to transform a community by urban farming, by creating camps for kids, mm-hmm. by creating opportunities they would not normally have. So it's a beautiful thing. And I love the way it all fits together. So you're the farm's vision and Beulah's vision really tie together very nicely. Yeah. And we have a fairly robust missions team that really wants to be involved in, in, in missions that really will change from the inside out, mm-hmm. not, not going in as um, we're going to give a check and hope that you guys do what you need to do. But instead, how can we truly become partners 
walk hand in hand and transform things hand in hand, one person, one family at a time. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you to Beulah. Thank you, you, Alex, specifically for, for like nurturing this partnership over the years. And I'm, I'm just so excited that we can kind of give back in some way now that we've been able to, to continue to partner in meaningful ways. Well, John, I want to echo that. What I loved seeing on Sunday was uh, folks that I've served on the board at Garford Farm, and more importantly, members of the Open Door Church, where the farm comes out of, mm-hmm. They, we weren't meeting at the farm working together. You guys came up to our property and planted trees on our property with us. Right. And that's really a, a true symbiotic you know, relationship that truly is both folks coming together to work for a common goal. And that to me is neat. And then I was leaving, I saw one of your families, I was talking to one of the husbands and seeing his kids just playing in our yard. Mm-hmm. That made me thrilled to see, wow, you know, this is what it's really all about, working together and then celebrating and, and playing together uh-huh. in each other's neighborhoods. Because if yeah. we don't do that, we're not going to transform our communities. Right. That's cool. So um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about has absolutely nothing to do with trees and, <laughs> and plants, but um, to finish our interview, what music are you listening to these days? That's a great question. As you know, uh, you know, John and I are both big into music. We've, we've, we've bounced around playing together, um, doing things. So I probably would not be playing music if it weren't for you, Alex, like you had a huge, uh, you know, when I was in high school, huge influence on, uh, all of us, uh, younger kids in the church. Well, I still remember the day I showed you how to alternate pick with your hand to get that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you're like, oh my gosh, this transforms my guitar play. And <laughs> you still use that same rhythm on half your songs. It's, yeah. it's, it's a classic, you know, yeah. things. I appreciate that. But it's a joy seeing, you know, folks. That, so right now, um, a couple things. I'm really influenced by a uh, composer named Max Richter. Um, he just released a brand new album called Voices. Hmm. which is he took uh, kind of a statement of purpose, uh, I, I believe read originally by Eleanor Roosevelt for the United Nations. And then he has modern voices reading it and he has choir and um, uh, symphony behind it. And it's one of the most beautiful, stirring, meditative pieces of work I've heard in a while. Um, it really, I think, reads deep down into your soul. And it's all about equality, about coming together and caring for each other. And that's just hmm. a great thing. That's been a huge, huge thing. Um, and, you know, I, I always listen to my jazz and my, you know, and some other things. But, you know, I still also love to uh, dig into old dusty bins of old LPs. Hmm. Um, so even though I like some modern stuff and there's some good stuff, uh, some of the, you know, who knows what I can find when I dig dig hard. You know, whether it's an old band album or it's an old Miles Davis record, it's always fun to have that. And the smell is that little bit of moldy, little <laughs> bit of dusty smell. There's something magical about that. As far as new music, I'll be honest with you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound crazy. My kids will be happy, but Taylor Swift released an album called Folklore over this yeah. pandemic, yeah. which is one of her best lyrical and I think musical works. And I those totally of you agree. Yep. What'd you say? I totally agree. And people think I'm crazy, but it's a phenomenal album and it really speaks to young people today. And I think it speaks to me as well. So I know it sounds crazy. I'm pushing pop music, John, which I really never, ever do. <laughs> it's been a fun album. And what I love about it is it's an album, my whole family from 12 year old to me 
all ages, college kids, boys and girls, we all have loved and listened to and be happy. And it's not super poppy. It's right. way more right. introspective. It's acoustic guitar driven. Um, it's a fun, fun album to listen to. So I really enjoyed that album. Yeah, me too. That's great. And well, John, Alex, always, oh, I was going to say, we can always listen to Over the Rhine together too. Let's be honest. Right. They always have good yeah. stuff. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, I just want to say we're thankful for our partnership. I want to make sure that comes across clearly of just yeah. working with the farm, working with churches. And I'm encouraged to see that cooperation is how we're going to change our communities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to be from an agenda or even a purposeful mission, but more importantly, linking hand in hand, working together and literally digging in the dirt together, mm-hmm. you know, changing things one tree at a time, so to speak, one soul at a time, one heart at a time. Mm-hmm. And to be able to do that with uh, you and our long relationship, um, you know, goes back, you know, 30 years, 30 yeah. plus years. Oh, yeah. 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 If you're probably 12, you know, that's, that's, you know, <laughs> that's I'm, right. It's a long time ago. Um, so I'm excited about that. I'm excited where things are going to move forward. Um, yep. And, you know, the, the, the beautiful reforestation is a wonderful, um, I think, uh, I don't know if it's a simile or whatever, to what God's doing in everyone's hearts, I hope, in our neighborhoods mm-hmm. by restoring them as well. Right. Getting back to what's important, which is slowing down, mm-hmm. caring for each other, not putting my agenda first or their agenda first, but putting together the agenda of coming together to be a community that cares, that loves, that nurtures each other. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. really how we're going to see our neighborhoods change, our families change, and not leave people out. Don't let people looking in from the outside, but include everybody mm-hmm. and welcome them in. I mean, that's what our creator God desires us to do. Mm-hmm. You go back to Genesis 1-1, you know, in the beginning was God, and we see later we were created in God's image, beautifully made and wonderfully made, and God loves us all as we are, misfits, lost, mistakes, problems, it doesn't matter. God loves us. And so having these opportunities to come together, to care, to nurture is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Something that I bring up a lot um, is that in, in permaculture, which is kind of the, the ethos that we try to live into at Garfield Community Farm, the idea of caring for the earth and caring for people, it's, it's seen as one th- one thing or maybe two things merging and they're now inseparable that when we care for the beauty of the earth we are also caring for the beauty of people care for the earth and care for people happens hand in hand and i think that our partnership whether it's what's happening at garfield community farm or now the development of you know healthier ecological systems on church grounds it, it represents that, that we can care for people and care for the earth at the same time and, and do them hand in hand. We talk about um, the word restoration. And, and, and we believe that, and I believe, I'll say more importantly, we need to be restored to our relationship with God, the creator God. We then need to be restored to our relationship with each other that are broken and fallen and twisted in our world today. And then more, and, and the third point is, not more importantly, but just, just as important, restoring our connection to the creation that God made in the beginning. And if we work on those three aspects of restoration, we'll see better communities, healthier places, and more joyous places. Yep. Amen. Amen. Right.